Well, of all the news coming out of fall camp for the Ducks, there is one trend in particular that I really, really hope settles down by the time the Georgia game comes around, and that is next Saturday. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Thank you to everybody out there who has done so already. I appreciate the hundreds and hundreds of you out there who have already done that. And we haven't even had but one game to cover here on the show. And that was back when I started uh, talking about the Alabama. Mobile and games are right around the corner. I can't wait. I know that you can't wait either. And if you want a question answered here on the show leading up to or after or way beyond the Georgia game, tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod or just DM me at Smalls underscore 55. It's right down there. If you're watching on YouTube or at Locked on Ducks, you can also hop in the YouTube comments. I monitor those daily. Ask me a question, get it answered here on the show, uh, which is how I will uh, be talking about the second segment of today. And that's going to play off of the first one, which is that a lot of things have taken place at fall camp. Injuries here, injuries there, quarterbacks here, quarterbacks there. No official word on who the starting quarterback will be. <clears throat> Bo Nix. I mean, uh, you know, it could go anyway. It could also be Bo Nix. Uh, it's probably going to be Bo Nix. I, I think we all know that at, at this point in time. But there's been one thing that I've been following along with uh, during fall camp, even as I was uh, on on vacation throughout the Pacific Northwest, which was glorious, but man, I'm so ready to get back to it. And that's the injuries on the offensive line. Now, nothing catastrophic has happened. Very important that I make that clear at the outset. There have been no, you know, season-ending injuries or, uh, you know, partially torn ACL or MCL or sprained ankle or anything. There's been nothing like that. But a recurring theme when you look at practice reports or just follow along with kind of what, what's going on, there have been a lot of guys on the offensive line dinged up. And the reason that it, it has my attention, I'm not in full-on panic mode. It, it's not at that level because, like I said, nothing has been super-duper serious yet. But that offensive line has to go into the Georgia game at full strength. I think you can make the argument, and I'm going to right now, that that is the most important offensive line or the most important unit the offensive line is for Oregon if they're going to get an upset victory. Remember, the offensive line is kind of what carried us to a win in the horseshoe last year. The Ducks ran wild. Joe Moorhead was very smart on third down running the ball. The Ohio State defense didn't make a lot of adjustments, but the offensive line was manhandling that Bucks front seven, and we ran the ball just the way Mario liked it. He'd love nothing more than a halfback dive, as we all know, but worked pretty well on that uh, particular day. Going into this Georgia game, the offensive line has to, you know, you're never going to be perfect at 110% health or anything like that, but you have to be pretty darn close to 100%, even though it's Oregon's strongest unit, right? I, I think pretty much without debate, it's the unit that I have the least questions about, like, how do you look at any other position group on either side of the ball and say, yeah, I feel better about that one than the offensive line, right? It's the one that we feel best about. But still, I think it's the most 
important. And there are things they need to do during the Georgia game if the Ducks are going to pull this upset. And I am really glad. I mean, really, really glad. Even though I love this O-line, it might be one of the best Oregon's ever had, at least in the time that I've been watching them play. Um, that 2014-15, those two offensive lines were also really good, but this one is superb. I'm really glad they don't have to go up against last year's Georgia team that had number one overall pick Travion Henderson and Jordan Davis, who makes Brandon Bear look like me out there. I, I mean, that guy is a mountain of a man. They're not there anymore. That's the good news. And so for Oregon and the offensive line, I think there are three things that the O-line can directly contribute to that will allow Oregon to to potentially pull the upset or at least be more competitive than they otherwise would be. Number one, avoid negative plays. This is not going to be the same Georgia defense as what you had in 2021. Everybody understands that. They lost 15 guys to the draft, five first rounders. It's not going to be the same. It's still going to be really good because they recruited a top five level nationally year in and year out. That roster is loaded, absolutely stacked with high four and five star guys who are just waiting for their turn to become the next round of NFL players selected from the Georgia Bulldogs in the draft. That's the way it's been working since Kirby Smart got there, and that's the way it'll continue to be. And it's not going to be any different, though it's the best possible scenario for Oregon that it's game one and you have a lot of losses. It's still going to be probably the best front seven the Ducks go up against for that offensive line all season long. I don't know where you're going to find a better one in the Pac-12. I just don't. I don't see where you could have that. And so it's still going to be a great test, even though they have the most advantages you could possibly have week one and all the losses and such it's still going to be really, really tough. But you've got to avoid negative plays because that Georgia defense, if you get behind the chains, I just don't think that in game one, because it's you know game one for the Ducks and Bo Nix and the new offense and all the weapons they've brought in, right? It's same sorts of challenges. I don't think if you get behind the chains very often, you're going to end up converting and getting a first down or going on and scoring a touchdown, even if you are able to move the chains a couple times. It's just going to be really, really hard, right? Think of the Auburn game in 2019, LSU in 2011. Like That's the sort of front seven that Oregon's going to be up against. Now, I think the offensive lines are better now, though 2019's was pretty darn good. It had Panay Sewell on it and Throckmorton and Hanson. Like, that was a really good, not Hanson. Uh, was it Hanson? I don't know. Anyway, so that was a really good offensive line. But this is this is arguably a better one for Oregon because they're so veteran and they bring back so many guys. But you have to avoid negative plays. That's the first thing. Second thing, got to be able to run the football. I, I don't think that Georgia is going to present the sort of defense that will allow you to be one-dimensional, right? Does anybody think that? I mean, Mike Leach is a good in-game coach as an air raid guy, but do we think he's ever going to be able to beat Georgia without a balanced offensive attack? I think the answer is no. I think Kirby Smart is too good of a defensive coach. And, you know, Dan Landing for the last couple of years has been too good of a coordinator for that sort of stuff. But they also just have such elite personnel that you can't have them sitting back and knowing that on third and four, you have to throw the ball, right? Or on third and two, you have to throw the ball, right? You don't want to be in those sorts of situations. You have to be multiple and keep them guessing. So you've got to 
find some form of a push to be able to run the ball, at least respectively, right? It doesn't have to be like Ohio State last year where Oregon runs wild, C.J. Verdell's busting big runs. I don't expect that to be the case because this is going to be a much better defense. They're going to be better coached, and they're more talented, and they put a bigger emphasis on that side of the ball. But I do think that you have to have you know, at least 100 to 150 yards rushing at, at a minimum if you're Oregon to pull off this upset down in Atlanta. It, it's just not going – you can't rely solely on a, a Bo Nix. I don't think that that's very feasible. But speaking of Bo and as it pertains to the offensive line, you got to give him time. You, you have to be able to give him time. And I bring all this up today, and I've got a couple more thoughts on it because – if the offensive line is not 100% going into this game, right, if we get reports going into late next week of, you know, yeah, Alex Forsyth is dinged up or Big Sala might not play, and, you know, I'll get to Josh Connerly in a little bit and whether or not he'll have to step in in his very first potential college football game against the reigning national champs on the road. Be a tough environment, but, you know, he's a big-time recruit. If you have anything like that, my confidence level, which is moderate, I would say that the Ducks can be competitive right now. It would drop substantially if you told me the offensive line was dinged up and they were shifting guys around. That would not be good. The other thing that would not be good uh, is if you don't drive sober. Let's say uh, one night you're hanging out with some friends and uh, putting back a few drinks, as we've all done from time to time. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. It's okay. No big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway? Even so, uh, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, lose your license, lose your job, total your car, kill someone. Lots of stuff can happen. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence, unfortunately. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, including after the Oregon game in Atlanta, think again, play it safe, plan ahead to get a ride. We've all got Uber on our phones. It's just not worth it. Only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. Thanks for making Locked On Ducks your first listen every day. The ultimate college football preview is here. A seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season in one spot. Search for Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may even see me over there. Eh, You never know. I won't guarantee anything. I'm just saying. You might. You never know. Uh, Okay, back to the offensive line. This is Oregon's best unit. It's it's unquestionably Oregon's best unit. So why am I so concerned about it? Because if the thing that I am most confident about is not going to be at their best, then I don't think Oregon has a chance in this game. If the offensive line is having a bunch of breakdowns or they're not up to par because they're not healthy, right? This all started with uh, the, the reports we've seen about, you know, guys dinged up here, guys dinged up there. Nothing serious at this point in time. But if we aren't able to put out the five guys who we think are the best combined unit of offensive linemen next Saturday against Georgia, it could be a really long day for Bo Nix and company. Cause I don't think that Bo, especially in his first game with Oregon is the kind of guy who you can just give the ball to and say, yeah, we need you to throw 40 times. You don't have a lot of time to throw, go win us a football game. That's not why I think we brought him in, and that's not what we should expect from him. He needs that sort of support, and the offensive line has got to be good. 
Uh, speaking of the guys who, who could be up front, Josh Connerly's name has been tossed around a, a little bit around uh, Oregon fall camp this year because with guys, you know, sitting out practice from time to time and uh, not doing all the reps or everything, Connerly's got an opportunity to show what he can do. And Adrian Clem, the offensive line coach, has been very clear. And his history from his time back at UCLA shows this as well. He is willing to play true freshman if they're ready to rock and roll. Now, Connerly, as a prospect, primed to be the, the, the sort of guy who could be ready to play on day one as a true freshman. Willie, I don't know. I, I think the Oregon coaching staff could still be figuring that out, especially as they approach like, well, who's at 100%? If he's at 80%, then maybe 80% of, uh, of, of TJ Bass is not as good as 100% Josh Connerly, right? Because if he's you know dinged up a little, then maybe think, well, I don't want to put him out there if he could A, get hurt for, uh, for, for games beyond the Georgia one, but also if he's not going to be at his best, that's not going to give us the best chance to win. I think they have to factor all of that in. And this, this unit just has to be healthy. Now, the the upside here uh, of these guys not practicing all the time is maybe what we're seeing is Dan Lanning and Adrian Clem and the offensive staff managing these little tweaks so that they are 100% going into the Georgia game. That's the other thought I had because, uh, you know, I've heard this stuff on uh, other podcasts and I've read uh, some practice reports about, you know, so-and-so to practice. I'm like, boy, I, get, I don't, don't love that. We're getting really, really close. I mean, this is Wednesday's show. And the game is next Saturday. That's, let me do some math, 10 days. We're 10 days away from from the Georgia game. And you want guys to be at full strength. And the benefit of having a veteran offensive line and knowing what you're going to get from this guy and that guy is maybe you can hold him out of practice a little more to make sure that he's, you know, resting up and uh, his ankle or knee or, or whatever is bothering him. He's able to get it back to full strength because you already know He's played a bunch of college football games. If it's a guy like Alex Forsyth or Ryan Walk or TJ Bass or Big Salt, right? You know what you're going to get from them and that they're going to be your starting unit. But I think that's something that that is noteworthy to follow. And I, I think the offensive line is so important, not just for Oregon staying in the game, but let, let's talk about what it would take to, to win the game. I think the offensive line kind of has to be the feature group. I think the offensive line has to be able to do all the, the three things I talked about at the start of the show, avoid negative plays, be able to run the ball at least respectably, and you got to be able to protect Bo Nix, give him some clean pockets and give him a chance to make throws to Oregon's wide receivers and tight ends and, you know, hopefully not just running backs. Uh, <laughs> something that uh, we all want to see, which I'll be getting to a little bit later in the show. But this Georgia team last year, and again, they're not going to be quite as dominant. They'll still be very, very good. Last year's game, last year's games, when you just go look at their uh, their their outcomes week by week, they didn't play any close games. But for three, they played three close games en route to a national championship. Right? The Natty was close. The SEC championship was a close competitive game, and Alabama beat them. And the first game against Clemson, all the other ones. Pfft, blowouts down the list just routed them and their defense was just top-notch week in and week out and so I got to thinking about you know what it would look like if Oregon is actually able to to pull an upset here what sort of game would they have to play now the games that Georgia were were not blowing people out last year let's just go to Bama and then I'll get to the the Clemson game here in a sec Bama beat them in the SEC championship 41 to 24 their coaching staff then went back, made some adjustments, must be nice, and then came back and won in the national championship game, right? They lost 41-24, but 
but uh, they won 33-18. to But that game, 41-24. Is that a score that Oregon can put up against Georgia? No. The, the answer is no. Because that was an Alabama offense that had two first-round wide receivers in John Mechie and Jamison Williams. Had not much of a running game, right? They were very reliant on, on Bryce Young who is a much better quarterback, obviously, than Bo Nix, and he had better, more more proven weapons, right? I like Oregon's weapons, but they're not Jamison Williams and John Mechie, to, to be sure. And Bryce Young was slinging the pigskin all around the field. That's kind of how Bama was, was able to win games a year ago. They were reliant on the right arm of Bryce Young. I don't think Oregon has that luxury. And one thing Alabama didn't do very well in 2021 was run the football compared to what they what they usually do in an offensive year. They were very pass-dependent. But they won that game on the right arm of Bryce Young, and I don't think that's a formula for for competing or ultimately winning a, a game against the Georgia Bulldogs in 2022 for the Ducks. Now, in the national championship game, Alabama was not quite as explosive. They did lose their wide receivers. That hurt, but the Georgia defense had made some adjustments, and it was a 33-18 final, but it was a one-possession game. That's the sort of game I, I think it has to be, right, from a score perspective. Oregon's not going to be able to put up 40 points on Georgia. I think if they put up 28, that'd be outstanding. But Oregon is not going to be going to be able to easily score points and create big explosive plays because Georgia doesn't give them up. So what that means is the formula for Oregon to win is a little bit like how Stanford used to beat Chip Kelly. And that's playing ball control and just keeping the ball on your side or, or keeping the ball in possession, I should say, and not letting the other offense get on the field too much because I think the Georgia offense is a lot better than a lot of people maybe realize. They've got some really explosive athletes and a lot of returning production on that side of the ball. But I think Oregon has to be able to control the clock. They're not going to go down and score in two minutes and 30 seconds. Those sorts of drives, if it happens once, great. It's not going to happen three or four times. You're going to have to grind it out a little bit. And to do that, your offensive line has got to play well. The only other close game that Georgia played in 2021 was their season opener against Clemson. They won 10-3. 10-3. That's the sort of game I think it's got to be. And if Oregon is going to win against Georgia, I think it'll be a low-scoring affair. I don't think they have the offensive firepower, and Georgia's defense is just going to be too good for for Oregon to be explosive enough to win in a shootout. They're not going to do it the Alabama way. You're going to compete with Georgia the the second way that or the second game that Alabama played, right? Where it's kind of low-scoring, grinding it out, just you know, tough to tough to come by points. Defense will have to play well, of course. But that game against Clemson in the opener. I think is is the best formula for Oregon to win. And to do that, the offensive line has got to be at full strength. So that's something to monitor for the next week or so in fall camp is how healthy is the offensive line going into it. Because if you tell me that we're down, one of our notable starters from 2021 and what is Oregon's best unit, I think it'll be a tough, tough game to win even more so. Okay, catch my breath a little bit. And go to the mailbag. And you can be a part of the mailbag. Any of you. Anyone. Anyone watching or listening to this show can. You go on the YouTube comments, tweet the hashtag AskLODPod, or you just DM me at Smalls underscore 55 or at LockedOnDucks are the Twitter handles. You slide in the DMs or hop in the comments or uh, send out a tweet and you get a question answered here on the show. This one comes from um, Beginner Catholic. I give you all points for creativity and uniqueness in your Twitter names and handles, Duck fans. 
Uh, he asks, question for the show. Should our Ducks go in, beat Georgia, and not only beat Utah, but reverse the score? This is some major optimism. I mean, big-time optimism. Just how big of an indictment would that be on Cristobal's coaching style? Another factor of this question comes from hearing one of the players compare the previous staff with Lannings. Can't immediately recall whom. I do not recall either. To which the response was along the lines of executing the plays called, Cristobal, versus utilizing the skills of the players and letting them make on-field adjustments as needed, which is what is kind of being seen, and hopefully we will see, uh, under Dan Lanning and company. First of all, if we beat Georgia and Utah, we better be going to the college football playoff, right? I mean, those would be big highlights if you have stumbles elsewhere, but if you have a team that is actually capable of doing that, and I don't think Oregon's winning either of those games. I went through the schedule prediction for last couple of weeks here on the show. I think they're losing to Georgia. I think they're losing to Utah. I think those are two losses. I think they're going to go 10-2, and two, but I really, I could see 9-3. and three. I, I, I could see 9-3, and three, but I think 8-4 and four is more likely than 11-1. and one. So if that were to happen, I would run around screaming in duck gear and I don't know go to jail for something for being publicly obnoxious. I mean, I would be losing my mind if we beat Georgia and Utah. That would be pretty ridiculous. Um, I I don't think if, if we beat Georgia and Utah this year, I might not be able to host the show anymore. I might lose it because I'll just have been screaming so much. Like it might just be totally shot and I'd come on here sounding hoarse like Doc Rivers or something and nobody wants to listen to that. So uh, that's the, that's the first thing. Second of all, uh, the potential for this trend to transpire in a less dramatic fashion, as beginner Gaff, beginner Catholic is suggesting here, is very real. I, I think even in year one, and I talked about this with a number of the game previews, specifically for games like Arizona, Colorado, and Cal, you know, teams where Oregon's just got a far superior roster and should win comfortably, but didn't do so the way you would like to all the time in, in 2021. I think that's a real sign of, of growth that, that we'll be looking for as fans this year for Dan Lanning and, and the staff is, can you win those games more comfortably? Can you be more explosive? Can you not have a home game against a bad Arizona or Cal team come down to the fourth quarter, right? I, I mean, you should be getting the reserve. We should be seeing Ty Thompson and or Jay Butterfield, whoever's second on the depth chart for some of these games. And we just didn't get to see that last year. They tried to do it in the Colorado game. Ty came in, threw a bad interception. It was a really bad interception. And then Anthony Brown had to go back in. That sort of stuff, that's what I would like to see this team. Because it's just easier. You just can't you can't grind that much for an entire season. You just can't grind your way very easily to, to that many. you got to have some weeks where it's just a little bit easier and you don't have to go through the, the and, and spend the mental energy that it takes to win a seven point nail biter uh, against a conference opponent who you should be you should be beating um, but you know to, to build on his question a little more about you know what what if this happens I don't think we're gonna flip the score on on Utah however there's no reason I mean no reason that's and this includes last year right and, and this is a direct indictment of what the previous staff was not able to accomplish. There is no reason with the way Oregon has recruited for them to get blown out by anyone in the Pac-12. Anyone. At any point in time. There's no reason for it. Right? When when Chip had things rolling, did they ever get blown out by a Pac-10 team or a Pac-12 team? No. They lost. Right? You're not going to win every single game. 
except for 2010, bar for the national championship, of course, Dyer was down, but you're not going to win every single game, but you got to be able to, you got to be able to beat the teams that you should blow out. You got to be able to beat them comfortably. And, and there's no reason that, that Oregon should ever be blown out with the amount of talent that, that is on this roster. They've won the recruiting battle in the Pac-12 four years in a row. They've got more talent, arguably, than anybody else in the conference. You should never get blown out. There's no there's no excuse for that. That is all coaching. That was Kyle Whittingham and his staff clowning Mario and, and his staff on those particular days. There's no other way to see it. I, I mean, a team that won at Ohio State, how do you get blown out by anybody in the Pac-12? It's just not something that should happen. Uh, third thing, if we beat Utah this year, is it even more of an indictment of the coaching style of the previous administration? Yes, it, it, it is. However, one thing to factor in, depending on how the game plays out, and I hope I'm wrong and Oregon beats Utah, I would love to see it. It would be a great sign of growth and it would also be huge for, for the Pac-12 championship prospects this year for the Ducks. It's not a direct comparison, right? So I, I think there, there can be a takeaway. Let's say Oregon beats Utah, right? I can see it happening. I don't think it will, but it's not impossible. If that happens, what you have to factor in is that Oregon is playing that game at home versus on the road, right? A better comparison of on-the-field results and potential schematic superiority for Dan Lanning and company would be if Oregon gets back to the Pac-12 championship game against Utah. Because being at home in Autzen versus being in Salt Lake City, where they are just as loud as, as the fans at Autzen, it's a really good and tough environment up there for teams to go in and get a win. That's different, right? You still shouldn't get blown out. But it's different. When you get down a little bit early, things can start to snowball on the road when you have a tough a tough place to play like Eccles Coliseum in, in Salt Lake City. So I don't think it's a, a direct comparison. It does depend on how the games play out. I do not see us uh, blowing out Utah, certainly. I could see us getting the win, but I, I don't foresee it. But I think we focus on Georgia right now and, and look for ways that, that we can be encouraged for this team to be better than they were last year, right? And they were really good last year. I mean, it was a 10-2 regular season. 99% of college football teams, including Oregon, would take that. But did they hit their ceiling? No, they did not. Shouldn't have lost to Stanford. You can lose to Utah once. You shouldn't have lost to them twice. But they did. And so there are signs of growth that we should be looking for in that Georgia game which I, I think is just going to be too much to ask for a first-time head coach and a brand-new staff and a new quarterback. I think it's just asking a lot to go down there and get that win. But I tell you what, you're going to find one excited show host here if they shock the world again as they did a year ago and they go down to Atlanta and get that win. But it's got to start with the offensive line, and they need to be fully healthy. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.